Welcome to The Twelfth Story, a book discussion podcast produced by Cincinnati's Mercantile Library, where readers gather to engage, connect, debate, and discuss. The Mercantile Library is 181 years old and is the literary center of Cincinnati. Throughout the year, the Mercantile Library hosts authors and speakers, book discussion groups, and other civic events. We are a working library with more than 90,000 books available to members. We're located at 414 Walnut Street in downtown Cincinnati and online at mercantillibrary.com. And we always welcome new members and guests. We're gearing up for an event next week with Chris Tebbets, who is the Yellow Springs native and co-author of the middle school series of books with James Patterson. Um, Chris Tebbets is going to be here on Saturday, March 11th in the library for two programs, one geared towards younger kids ages 8 to 12, that's at 10.30 in the morning, and one for aspiring teen writers that will be at 1 p.m. We are so excited to have Chris Tebbets with us today, who is the author of the Middle School series. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. And we have in our presence two avid fans and readers of the middle school books. We have Will and Column. Can you say hello? Hello. Also, I would like to introduce the moms. (laughs) We have Abby um, Moran, who's Will Moran's um, mom, and myself, Mary Kern Hackett, who is Column's mom. And we um, are the person the people who buy the books <laughs> and read them with them. So we have been really excited um, to watch our kids just fall in love with these books and read them with abandon. And um, so we thought the best people to talk about the books would be them with with you, Chris. So we're really excited um, to hand our the conversation over to the boys and you. Um, before we get started, though, Column was really fascinated by the relationship, the books are set, they're, they're called middle school, and they are listed, um, if you look for them in the library or the bookstore, they'll be under James Patterson and Chris Tebbets. And so, Colin, did you want to ask a little bit more about that? How is your um, relation, what is your relationship with James Patterson? He and I have a long-standing collaborative relationship now. A lot of people think that he puts out so many books every year. A lot of people think you can't possibly actually work and write uh, parts of the books, of every book that he's working on. But I can tell you in my experience that uh, everything we ever do together, we do it in a partnership. The way it generally works is he'll come up with some characters and an idea, and he'll write a, create, write a uh, detailed outline that he sends to me, and then I start to draft the story and send it to him in pieces, and we'll talk about once a month about how the story's going, if we want to make any changes, that sort of thing, until we have a finished, polished draft, and then he'll, and then he'll take it and rewrite it to completion from there. So he really is more involved than some people think, um, and the stories always start and end with him. Wow. That's so interesting. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. How does that make you feel as an author in terms of freedom to write or the story? Do you feel strapped in by that or does James Patterson seem to say, "Oh, that was a really great idea. Let's go, let's run with that." Well, I having just said what I did about how he does work on all of his projects, he's too busy to really get into the the minor details or you know, the micromanaging of a first draft of a story. So um, he's very creatively generous. He's very easy for me to work with. 
we also like the same kinds of things. He and I love movies. We like to think in movie terms when we're writing a story. We like really short chapters and really succinct scenes. Um, so I have a lot of the same creative impulses that he does. Um, and again, he, he, he's too busy a guy to uh, not let me have a little bit of creative freedom when I'm working. It actually works out perfectly for me. Oh, that's so interesting. Now, how many books um, in this series have you all produced so far? <laughs> I should know the answer to this question. I think um, seven with the eighth one coming out in June and then another spinoff coming out the year after that. Well, I was just thinking uh, as I asked it, I should know. No. <laughs> but I thought I thought seven. I thought that's what you're going going to say. So the eighth one's coming soon. Um, how yes. many How many do you think um, the series could handle? Uh, when the series first started out, I think he imagined it would be three books: one for sixth grade, one for seventh grade, one for eighth grade. But it turned out to be a pretty popular series. So. Um, you know, like a lot of characters you see on TV or in comics, Rafe is just going to be in middle school for as long as people keep wanting to read about him. Oh, that poor thing. <laughs> There's no light at the end of the tunnel yeah. for that kid. That's poor yeah. thing. That poor thing. Yeah. How did you like the movie? Like, when I watched the movie, I noticed that they made some changes to, the, um, to it than what happened in the book. Did you like the movie? I did like the movie. It was um, every time a book gets turned into a movie, people have lots of opinions about which they liked better or how it was different, and that's a reflection in part of the fact that telling a story visually on screen is very different than telling it in writing in a book. So when I'm writing the story, I get inside the character's head and I can share his thoughts uh, in a deep kind of way that you can't do in a movie, but I can't show the audience the same things that a movie can show. So it changes the way you tell the story. Uh, from my perspective, I thought that they did a great job of taking the whole idea of the book and then telling it in their way. I thought the kids were excellent. Um, the kids, uh, the acting that they did and the mm -hmm. casting of those kids was really great. Absolutely. Um, and I laughed my way through it. And I also was surprised that I even cried a couple times when I saw it. I thought it was very touching. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a moving story. It was surprising to me how sad and poignant it was at the same time, especially their friendship. Which we can't yeah, I think do that was one thing that took some people by surprise in the first book. They didn't expect it to be anything but silly, and it gets into some serious issues, and I'm glad that the movie reflected that. Yeah, Colum um, was kind of concerned about how they were going to um, play with the, um, or how they were going to portray the mom and Bear's relationship on the screen, because he was very moved by it, or if moved isn't the right the word, somewhat disturbed by it in the book. Mm -hmm. um, and so you treat, you, I mean, you approach some really serious topics. Um, so I thought that was really um, interesting. And we've, we discussed them as son and um, mother. It was really interesting to talk about what a relationship should look like, um, abuse of women, um, how a woman should be treated. I thought that was kind of amazing that a middle school book would open those topics up to a young boy, and you could have those conversations. Yeah, I mean, you know, middle school is, is a time of a lot of emotion, and not just at school, at home as well. So for some kids in different ways. Some kids have more difficult home lives. And um, I was really glad when I saw in the original outline that uh, James Patterson wanted to include some of that. I thought the interest, the relationship was really sad and interesting about Leo and Rafe. And, yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the things that people like most about the book. Leo is definitely a favorite character. Um, and one of the things that uh, James and I both love to put into stories are twists. 
and uh, changes in the plot that the reader doesn't see coming. And um, there certainly are some of those with Leo, and I love sort of revealing those secrets. Um, and again, this relates to what we were talking about a second ago. Um, not all of the revelations toward the end of the book are happy ones. Um, and, and I think that's a reflection of the fact that people's lives are both happy and sad. Yeah, I write, like, comic books, and I love to have plot twists and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what, that's a very fun aspect. It's a fun aspect for writers. It's a fun aspect for readers, too. It's a win-win. So you seem to know a lot about middle school kids. Did you um, help write this book and some of the parts from your experience as a middle schooler? Uh, um, yes. Yes and no I was, is what I'll say. Um, it's been a long time since I was a middle schooler. So when I first started working on this series, um, I went out to my local school and I interviewed a lot of kids and did sort of focus groups, asking them what it means to be a middle schooler today. And what I learned was that a lot has changed in terms of the things at school, the technology, the computers, the stuff that people bring to school, the, that sort of thing. But in terms of what it means to be 11, 12, 13 years old, I heard a lot of them describing experiences very similar to my own. So it gave me permission to draw on my own experience as well as what I learned from the kids. As a parent, I mean, it's just really exciting to see that there are books um, that are addressing these real-life, almost timeless issues, but in a way that's relevant, I guess I could say, or mm -hmm. um, that there is, it's very different than reading, you know, for example, we used to read Louisa May Alcott's Little Women, <laughs> <laughs> the timeless story of growing up or coming right. of age, and that doesn't really speak to the generation that we have now. I mean, it, not to say that you couldn't write that, but for boys, there there really hasn't been, up until I feel like James Patterson's books came around, lots of books that were timeless in the sense that had that universal sense of what it feels like to be a middle schooler, but um, relevant to the time, the technology, the music, the um, everything, the, the social media, the, the way kids interact, um, that makes it more approachable or digestible or fun. I mean, I, that's the main thing is the kids, I, I can, we can both attest to this, hearing our kids laugh from the bedroom as they read mm -hmm. out loud and, um, or wait, mom, one more chapter, that desire to keep reading. It doesn't seem like it's being something that we have to force them to do anymore. Um, that's is, music to an author's ears too. <laughs> oh, I bet. I mean, I, I can only imagine because it, but that's really the truth. And, um, how involved are you with James Patterson in his literacy projects? Um, uh, I, I'm not involved in those at all. I certainly admire them. Okay. Um, the whole, responding to everything that you were just talking about, his whole shift uh, from just doing adult books into children's books started in part because his son, Jack, didn't really much feel like reading in the summer, um, or he wasn't a big reader in general. Um, and it, it really started to show his dad that, Kids need more books, and especially boys, if we're making generalizations, mm -hmm. need more books that they are going to want to read for their own sake. That's, and um, his children's cool. line is, is a response to that. Are, are you writing a book right now, Will? Yeah, I, um, I'm writing a couple books. I got this kit for Christmas. I think it's called Make It Yourself Comics. And cool. you, um, you write the comic book. You send it to the author. They print it. They, you send well, you're the author. Yeah, so you're you the author. But you send it to the people who made the kit, and then they print it. 
and then they give it to you, and you can copy it. That you can buy more copies of it, and it's really cool. Yeah. So he's working on that right yeah. now. Um, what are yeah, you working publishing on? Publishing is really blowing up these days, and it's allowing exactly what you just described. It, it lets you create your own projects, and yeah. um, in a way that's never been possible before. It's really awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm writing a chapter book right now on Word. <laughs> yeah, in Word. Yeah, <laughs> back to basics. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, wh what do you recommend to kids who want to be writers? I have two kind of different pieces of advice. They're almost opposite, but they're complementary. And the first piece of advice is I've read a lot of interviews with a lot of writers, and the, the thing that you hear most often as an attributor of success, as a reason for success, isn't about talent. It's about persistence. It's about really sticking with an idea, even on the days when maybe you don't like the idea so much anymore or the story's not going so well, and really sticking with it and seeing it through and figuring out, taking the time to figure out how to make that idea into exactly the story you want it to be. On the other hand, besides persistence and work, um, I think it's also important to not compare yourself to other people and not draw your ideas from anywhere but your own imagination, your own experience, because really you're the only one who can tell the stories that you can tell, and so don't let other people over-influence what you want to write. Just let your imagination run free, especially in those early first drafts of a story when you're just trying to get some idea down. Don't worry too much if it's good or bad. Just let your imagination be king. Thanks. I wrote a book when I was like five and I didn't think it was very like good and then I stopped writing it and now that you're saying that I realize it's kind of a mistake yeah. and then I lost the journal so now I can't yeah. it's, it's in your lost the lost papers of and Will Moran yeah. lucky for you you're only 10 so you have you can revisit that and keep going you have a lot yeah. of time I I need to work on writing my book more because, uh, like, setting the time. I've, yeah. I've, like, like, if I don't, like, I make it to myself. So, like, if I don't read, so I try to do, like, a certain number of, like, words or pages each day. And if I don't do it one day, I have to do it all in another day. Oh, it's cumulative. Yeah. This is what I was talking about with persistence. So, you definitely have the stuff of a writer. Um, and I will also tell you, based on what you just told me about the story you wrote a while back is one of the secrets among authors is that we write really terrible first drafts. People have no idea how bad it is the first time out. But again, that comes back to rewriting and really taking that story that's maybe not at all what we want it to be and turning it into something better. What does your typical writing day look like? I like to get started as early as possible, which for me is you know maybe eight o'clock. Um, I like that fresh mind feeling in the morning. Um, that's what that's a, a, the most creative time for me. So that's when I uh, I reserve the mornings for drafting and filling blank pages and and starting things. And then I'll use the afternoon uh, for uh, more brainiac tasks like editing or the business end if I'm planning a school visit and that sort of thing. Um, I, I'm one of those writers who likes to write every day. I like to get that sense of momentum going. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if it was Colm or Will who was just saying they like that too, Colin, um, to try to have goals every day. And mm -hmm. I don't set specific numbers of words that I have to write, but I try to stay at my desk for a certain amount of time every day. That's really good advice. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. Now, are you work working on exclusively on middle school books, or do you have um, other genres that you write in or are working on? 
Yeah, I um, I usually have two books going at a time. For a long time when I was working on middle school, I was also doing the Stranded series with F. Probst. He's the guy yeah. who hosts Survivor on TV, and that's a very different kind of story, a big adventure, which is another thing I like to write. Um, but right now, this, the book I'm working on is for older readers, for uh, older teens, and it's called The Weakness of Gravity, and it comes out next year. How long does it take you to write the books? Um, it really depends. But on the books that I work with, uh, James Patterson, uh, we usually take about six months to come up with the draft that I then hand off to him. After that, it goes to the illustrator, and he does some rewriting. So all in all, probably about a year. Oh, wow. Do you illustrate some of it, or...? No, what we do is we, uh, we as you know, the, the whole idea of these middle school books, our main character, Rafe, is an aspiring artist. So the art that readers see in the books uh, is supposed to be Rafe's art, and that comes from our illustrator, Laura Park. And um, what we'll do as we're writing the story is we'll include illustration notes saying, here's where an illustration will go, and here's what we want it to look like. And then she'll use her illustrator's imagination to really fill that in with lots of details. Anybody who's looked at these books knows that the illustrations are a big part of the storytelling, and a lot of that comes from her imagination. But that's interesting. So you, you sort of um, add design notes about how you want the illustrations to support the narrative? That's as, right. As you're going through it? That's really cool. It's, I mean, I, I was a film major in college, so again, I think I said before, I always think in movie terms when I'm writing, and it's really fun to get to really literally think about what illustrations are going to go on the page and make that part of the story. Cool. Um, I have a question now, because you mentioned your film, my daughter wants to go to film school. <laughs> Which school did you go to for film? I have an older Western daughter. Northwestern University. Oh, wow. Do you have any books that you recommend to kids who say, I love your middle school series, I've read them all, I need something else to read? Um, I should have a better answer to this than I do. I certainly have books that I like to recommend to kids, and um, there are books that are similar to the middle school series, like the Diary of Your Wimpy Kids series or the Dork Diaries and those sorts of things. Um, I think Lewis Sackhart's Holes is kind of a perfect novel, um, and uh, including the fact that kids absolutely love it. Um, trying to think. Roald Dahl was my very favorite author when I was growing up, and I think he's still pretty strong today. I think a lot of people really like his stuff. Um, in terms of for reluctant readers, Gordon Corman, K-O-R-M-A-N, has a lot of books, and he's great with kids who don't necessarily like to read other stuff, who, who aren't in, always enthusiastic readers. Um, his stuff is really good for that as well. Thank you. I started reading the 39 Clues series. Oh, another, yes, yeah. And um, Gordon Corman did one of those, so that's where yeah, I he, heard he did of one them. of the early ones. I think they have a lot of them now, don't they? I think he did the second, yeah. I think they have like 39, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be appropriate. No, seriously. Um, <laughs> like 39. They have this like series, like backdrop series that has. It's like, um, it was like I had I saw this package at a bookstore once and it had all of them in it and it said books one to 39. Oh. So. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever had books that you were currently writing or? you have wrote and had doubts about them and stopped writing them? Um, yes, a lot. I have a lot of books like that. I mean, as I've said before, and I don't mean to be a broken record, but persistence is everything. So, you know, you really do have to see those ideas all the way through to the end, and you're not always going to love them every day you're working on them. But that said, um, I've started probably more stories than I've finished. They're all sitting on my computer waiting. Sometimes I'll come back to them later, and other times they just sit there. Um, 
That's part of why James Patterson works with co-authors so often, is because he has more ideas than he'll ever be able to write on his own. He really loves generating ideas. Um, yeah. So the short answer to your question is yes, absolutely. I have a question, one more. What are you reading right now? What do you read? I read a lot of middle grade fiction, which is what I call the, the stuff I write for 8 to 12 year old kids, and I read a lot of young adult fiction. Um, in the young adult department, I just read a book by Julie Berry called The Passion of Dulce, which isn't for everybody, but it's a, an astonishing book. It's incredibly well written. Um, and then on top of that, it's got an amazing story that had me going to bed early just so I could get back to the book every night. Um, and I'm reading One Crazy Summer by Rita Williams Garcia right now, which is a great story about uh, the, the tumultuous changes in the 1960s America, but it's a middle grade novel as well. Well, we heard that you are uh, originally from Yellow Springs, Ohio. Born and raised. Right up the road. Are you going to be able to work in a visit to Yellow Springs when you're in Cincinnati to visit the Mercantile Library? Yes, actually. I'll be in Yellow Springs for several days uh, with Cincinnati in the middle of that. But I'm going home to the, uh, the, the Little Art Theater in Yellow Springs is hosting a new series they're calling Homecoming. And they're getting folks who are uh, making a living the arts to come back and talk about what they do and what growing up in Yellow Springs had to do with any of that, the influences it had on us, that sort of thing. And I'll be visiting a school and... Um, yeah, I've got all kinds of things planned. Okay. We're so excited that you're coming to Cincinnati next weekend, and um, we really just look forward to everything you have to share with the whole audience um, that's looking forward to your visit. Thank you so much for talking with us, spending time with us, and teaching our boys um, about the writing process and also encouraging them and also providing them such wonderful stories to read. and to engage with. Um, I can't tell you how grateful I am as a mom um, to see um, my kid just love books. So I am very grateful. Thank you. It's a, I mean, it's a pleasure to be invited. I'm really looking forward to it. And, um, you know, as a writer, you work in isolation so much. It's really a pleasure to get out and actually meet readers once in a while. Well, we can't wait to see you. Thank you Great. for coming. Thank you for yeah. your time. Yeah, thank you. All right. See you next week. Thank I you. Call him. Bye, Will. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us today on The 12th Story. We encourage you to subscribe via your preferred podcast app. We're available on the iTunes Store and on SoundCloud. If you like listening, tell your friends or tweet to us at Mercantile Lib. That's Mercantile L-I-B. Today's podcast was directed and engineered by Chris Messick. Very special thanks to our young guests, Will Moran and Colm Hackett, and... Our slightly older guests, Mary Curran Hackett and me, Abby Moran. The Twelfth Story is a production of the Mercantile Library in downtown Cincinnati. Our theme music was created by Doug McDermott. Don't forget to visit us online at www.mercantilelibrary.com where you can learn about our library and our upcoming events. Have a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs>